Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast. Balevzes, which is Armenian for hello, because as you all know, the junior Eurovision Song Contest is nearly upon us in Armenia. It's being held in the capital, Yerevan, and that is after Malena won for the country last year. Spin the magic is the slogan, and 16 countries are competing this year. They are in alphabetical order. Albania, Armenia, France, Georgia, Ireland, Italy, Kazakhstan, Malta, the Netherlands, North Macedonia, Poland, Portugal, Serbia, Spain, the United Kingdom and Ukraine. 16 amazing entries. And if you've not heard them yet, please go and check them out. They are all on the official Junior Eurovision Song Contest YouTube channel. And we're going to look ahead at what is to come with some of the people who are going to make this year's event happen. So here is what's on the way. The executive producer of this year's Junior Eurovision tells us what to expect. We are concentrating not on the fact that this is a competition and somebody has to win, 
but instead we're saying we got together to celebrate Junior Eurovision, to be a part of this big international family. We've got the former junior winner who switched tap dance for physics and science. I um, now do my uh, PhD in physics, so in uh, nuclear fusion to be uh, precise, uh, which is of course a, a very disjunct world from <laughs> Eurovision. And away from Junior, we'll be looking back to 2002, when three drag queens called Sestrea caused an absolute sensation for Slovenia. We were so into that that we forgot to take even one piece of male wardrobe with us. Even trainers or something cosy. Oh, and we're getting freaky because Sanit is playing Eurovision on the spot. If you want the latest episode of the Eurovision Song Contest podcast as soon as it drops, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Steve Holden and I hope you're having an amazing December so far. We're nearly at the end of the year. But first, we do have the small matter of the 20th Junior Eurovision Song Contest. It was first held way, way back in 2003 Croatia won that opening event and since then it's just got bigger and bigger and I always find it interesting because countries that have never won at a senior level have done at junior. So Armenia and Croatia have won it once each. Then there are two time winners like Belarus, Poland and Malta. But the absolute kings and queens of junior Eurovision are Georgia who've won it a grand total of three times. Now, last year it was held in Paris with Armenian star Milena winning and all 16 competitors from this year are in Yerevan right now. And so is Lisa Jane Lewis, who has sent this from the opening ceremony, which took place on Monday. Well, yes, I'm here in the centre of Yerevan at Republic Square, where it's the opening ceremony and the lighting of the Christmas tree and the Christmas lights of Yerevan all in one huge ceremony i'm not gonna lie i think the entire population of the city is here right now it's amazing the buzz is fantastic it's cold and chilly wintry but there's so much warmth in the air we have seen our uh, 16 acts this year from junior eurovision uh, be introduced to the crowd we've heard snippets of their songs um, and we are being entertained by what can only be described as a pantomime uh, in Armenian style. It's amazing. We've got singing polar bears. We've got dancing reindeer. It's absolutely fantastic. The lights are, I think, about to go on. This is amazing. I have never known a city be this celebratory about hosting Junior Eurovision. It bodes well for a fantastic, fantastic week here in Yerevan, capital of Armenia. So let's hear how the production has been going from two people at the very heart of it. I'm so pleased that they're chatting to me because they are so incredibly busy. But we've got David Soyuranian, who's the executive producer of the show, as well as the head of the Armenian delegation. He has a lot on his plate. And also Anna Ohanian, who is the communications supervisor for the contest. Uh, first up, David, how are you feeling? I mean... It's a year now since Milena won in Paris. I mean, can you believe it? It's ridiculous how time flies because we were just talking about it today actually with, with our staff. And it seems like it was yesterday when we were in Paris and Milena won. And now this year just flew by so quickly. It's all getting together. The stage is there. And it's absolutely fantastic to just watch how all of these ideas that we had in our mind for a year are now coming together. It's beautiful. 
David, this might be the first year that some people watch Junior for the first time. What can they expect? They can expect a really colorful and a kid-friendly show with all of our contestants and kids being in the center of attention, which is the most important thing, I think, to me as a producer and also to our entire team. And most importantly, it is the 20th anniversary of Junior Eurovision. This is a huge thing, I think, for fans, but also for us, because the contest has been around for 20 years and it's getting bigger and better every year. And we really want to celebrate. I think the overall narrative that the viewers would find throughout the show this year is that we are concentrating not on the fact that this is a competition and somebody has to win. So we're not asking that question since the very beginning. Okay, we got together here, who's gonna win? But instead we're saying we got together to celebrate Junior Eurovision, to be a part of this big international family and to truly enjoy this show and the talent of these kids. That's the most important thing. There is something very special happening this year. Can you explain what, what we're gonna see? There are a couple of very special things happening actually. First of all, it is the, the opening act, which is going to be incredible because usually we always have, in case of Junior, we have the flag parade and then separately somewhere throughout the show, we have the, the, the theme song, the common song, as we call it, with all of the artists performing. This year we decided to combine this. So we're going to have a grand opening at the very beginning of the show. Well, all of our 16 contestants are joined together. They sing the theme song and we also combine it with the flag parade. I, I really think this sends a very strong message right from the start of the show about unity and all of the other values that Junior Eurovision and, and all of us share together. So this is very important for the beginning. And, and for the interval acts, we of course have invited Malena, our winner, to perform on the stage. We have invited um, Rosalyn, who's been a huge success around the world um, after the recent Eurovision in Turin. And we're so proud of her. Of course, she, she had to be a part of the show and celebrate with us. And most importantly, we have invited 19 past winners of Junior Eurovision Song Contest. Of course, some of them are not kids anymore. They're grown-ups and they have very busy schedules. But we are very happy that the majority of them agreed to be here in Armenia with us and celebrate Junior Eurovision together with us. They will be on stage. It will be an amazing number uh, with a big choir from, uh, from the region of Tavush in Armenia. And they will be singing parts of their winning songs. And I think it's going to be magical. David, just a quick one for you, because you've been so immersed with Eurovision and Armenia, what is it like to now have it, have Junior in your, in your country and to be in charge of it? Well, it must be amazing. It is amazing. I mean, I've been a Eurovision fan for, for years since I was a kid. And um, I remember when first Armenia hosted the, Euro, the Junior Eurovision Song Contest, it was back in 2011 when I was 15. Um, and I was, I, was an, I was an exchange student in the United States and I was very sad because I was a huge fan of the show and I couldn't be in Armenia at that time. I was watching it with a very shaky internet connection, crying over every single performance that I'm not part of it and I'm not in the audience. But you know, back then I could only dream of just being live in the audience and seeing the show. And now to be, to be at this point where me, uh, our team and, uh, and the public TV of Armenia as, as a big team, as a company, being in charge of this incredible show, it is, it is really amazing. I mean, obviously there are a lot of challenges because this is a huge production. I always say that Junior, you know, more or less the difference between Junior and the Eurovision Song Contest in terms of production is just the amount of days that the show airs. Because other than that, you know, the, the production itself is huge and very complicated. So there's a lot of stress, um, there's a lot of things to solve and get around, but in general, we always try, me, Anna and the entire team, we try to just take a moment throughout the day to pause and really appreciate and be grateful for all of this that is happening to us. Um, Anna, how excited is the city of Yerevan and what can people expect who are visiting? 
everybody is so excited about this Christmas decorations, Christmas lighting, and all the other um, innovations that are, that are being put in the city so that um, they are related to, to Junior Eurovision. Um, Anna, how did you feel when Malena won last year? Uh, we were in Yerevan. We were watching it uh, in the with the board of the public television of Armenia. And I just, I think, broke the glasses and the uh, plates that were around me from the, from the excitement. I was shocked. And uh, just from that moment, we started thinking how the show is going to be set up, how this, what, what the stage is going to be like, how we, the city is going to be decorated. From that very moment that Malena won, we started to think how we are going to organize the contest overall. Um, David, it, like we've mentioned, it has been a, 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 an amazing year for Armenia in Eurovision in both contests with Milena winning. And Rosalind, even though she didn't come in the top 10 this year, her song is now the third most streamed currently, the third most streamed Eurovision song of all time. Uh, you know, what's what's it been like from an Armenian point of view to see that success? You know, we, we actually just had that conversation two days ago with Rosa when she came to visit us on site and to see the stage. And I remember that we met, we first met with Rosa last December, right after Junior, when we arrived in Armenia in a small coffee shop in Yerevan. And I've known Rosa for a couple of years. Of course, she wasn't a very well-known artist in Armenia, but we knew her. She's an amazing talent as an artist, but also as a songwriter. And we've heard Snap already that she presented the demo. And I just said, okay, you know, we have this idea. We really want to send you to Eurovision. And she didn't believe it at first. And then we had a lot of work to do for the coming months. And now to see this, it, it hasn't even been a year uh, um, after that discussion. And now to see this incredible success that just happened over... 10, 11 months, it is crazy. Uh, you know, I always say that Eurovision is an amazing platform, first of all, it's really not about winning. Um, it's about how you use this platform to, to share your art as an artist with all of the viewers, with all of the fans, and how to use this opportunity to really, um, to really spread your music and, and show people that you've got this talent. And I think Rosalind is the best proof of that because, you know, as you said, she finished, she was the 20th in the grand final, but now her song is the third most streamed song in the history of the Eurovision Song Contest. So th this is, th this just highlights one more time what a big role the contest has in general, especially Especially for the artists that are um, that are newcomers, and we're very very proud of Rosa. We we always knew she was talented, and she was gonna become a sensation. But we never imagined that this could happen in just a matter of months. It's such a springboard, isn't it, for potential new talent? We're gonna see some amazing performances, and some real stars are gonna emerge. Don't you think, David? Um, I'm a hundred percent for sure. I mean, take Malena for example. Uh, you know, last year when she took part in Junior Eurovision, and that never happened to us before, we would walk, walk down the street in, in Yerevan and you would hear Malena's song coming from every single angle. And it's a Junior Eurovision song. Um, and you would never imagine this would happen, you know, a song from a kids competition could be such a, such a commercial song in a good way and could attract so many people. And I think this is great. And I think that, that in general, Junior is getting bigger and bigger, not only from the terms of production, but also the importance of Junior as a platform and the, the importance of the show for the, for the young kids. The same is going to happen this year, I'm more than sure. All of the artists are very talented. Of course, it's all about how they will use this platform. But uh, I think besides having a great show on the 11th of December, we are going to hear about these kids. In the future, you'll probably both sit down, 
have a nice laugh with each other and go, yeah, we did that. So good luck. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you so much. As David mentioned there, loads of previous Junior Eurovision winners are back for this year's Interval Act. So I decided to catch up with two of them. First up is Mariam Maladashvili, who won for Georgia back in 2016 with her song Enzeo. Now, she performed last on the night that year. It was a soaring ballad and the vocal is incredible. Uh, Mariam, welcome to the podcast. Uh, what is it like to be back performing for Junior? Now that I'm back and like seeing, you know, like Eurovision signs and flags everywhere. Oh my gosh. It's like, I feel like I'm about to compete again. Do you remember that night really vividly in your head? Because you had to perform last. So you probably had the longest wait before, before, before performing. I mean, I do remember like up till the moment that I was singing like on the stage and when I like you know, after the votes, it's just all a blur. Um, I kind of went to shock after that. And yeah, it was crazy after that. It was just a blur. What did winning junior mean for you? I don't know. Junior Eurovision changed my entire life. It gave me so many opportunities to meet amazing people. And just like for a child singer, this is like an amazing like thing to experience and to see. And like the fact that I'm back here and... It's just a really good surprise that um, I get to see it with my own eyes again and kind of relive my experience. You were 11 years old at the time, weren't you? Was it, Were you 11 or 12? When I got to Malta, I was 10 and then it was like my birthday around that time and I turned 11 when I was still in Malta. Yes, oh, so you had your birthday at Junior Eurovision. I remember at night I went down to the lounge area in the hotel and all of the contestants were there and they all sang happy birthday for me which was so sweet and yeah I'll never forget that it was super nice of them. What doors did Winning Junior open to you? What happened between winning and what you're doing now? Like this experience showed me like it makes me want to work harder and just achieve more but yeah it just gave me so many opportunities like uh, to this day I still work with Giga my producer um, and we still like we just uh, wrote a new song and um, it came out on December 3rd and yeah, it just gave me a lot of opportunities to like further my singing career. So listen, Georgia is really good at Junior Eurovision. They've won it three times. That's more than any other country. Why is Georgia so good at Junior? I don't know. We're just, I don't know. <laughs> all of them are actually, all of the winners are like over there right now with me. I don't know, like Giga's very talented. He wrote the song for, you know, all of the winners and they're just, all of them are super talented. And like everyone, all of the kids who kind of participate in Eurovision are so talented in their like own ways. Do you ever watch back your performance on YouTube? All the time. I watched it back for like 500 times and I still get emotional like every single time, but I love watching it. And there's also like a two hour video of like the whole thing. And I also watch that a lot. Um, but yeah, it's just good to like relive it and just see the moments again. It's It was a really good experience, so. Is it is it weird to watch yourself so young and to look at yourself in the mirror now? I just think of like, I don't know, like as a 10, 10 year old, it's like so much, so much pressure and like all the things that I went through, I feel like it was like crazy, you know? But yeah, it was like such a good experience. And yeah, I just remember so many good memories from that area. Your mum was there at the time, right? In the t in Malta in 2016. I actually hadn't seen my mom for a few months because she was in America and I was with my dad, you know, 
two months just preparing for Eurovision and I finally got to see her in Malta and that was just like super emotional and awesome and yeah the support meant like everything. How proud are you of your song to this day? How much do you love it? Oh my gosh I love my song. It's definitely a hard song and when I was uh, 10 years old it was easier for me to sing because you know my voice changed now that I'm older but that song is just like, I don't know, it changed my life. And um, I'm really grateful for Giga and Maka for, you know, writing this amazing song and giving me this like amazing, you know, present. Um, but yeah, I still love this song. I sing it all the time still. And yeah, it's really fun to like come out here and still sing it. Your year, 2016, I believe, so Jedward performed, uh, who obviously competed in Eurovision. Destiny was there. She went on to compete in senior Eurovision didn't she for Malta have you ever thought about maybe wanting to do adult Eurovision one day for Georgia definitely um I mean it would be amazing to even like get up there and like Eurovision but um yeah it's definitely something like a dream of mine to be able to perform on Eurovision in the future but we'll see um how are you enjoying Yerevan so far I know you've not been there too long but how is it oh my gosh it's awesome like being in the hotel with all of the winners first of all it's like amazing um yesterday we will all we were all just hanging out like all of the georgian winners and um just singing for hours until like 1 a.m <laughs> um you know like going crazy in a hotel room and yeah it's just super fun i can't wait for like more um more days and like experiences with all of the winners but yeah, it's it's super fun so far. Was it a surprise to you to see how, how people have grown up? Oh, definitely, definitely. Like, it's just crazy to see how, like, it doesn't feel like this, like a while has passed to me. It feels like maybe a year maximum. So it's crazy to see how everyone has, has like changed, you know, I don't know, it's crazy. And seeing all of the Georgian winners, because I, I live in America. So coming back here and getting to see all of them again, it was like crazy, you know? They're like in their 20s now, so it's like a big difference. But yeah, it's it's really crazy to see. For right now, I'm in 12th grade and I'm getting ready to like transition to college and university. And I'm kind of like this area kind of, I've been focusing on school and like just studying a lot. And um, with music, like the pandemic kind of slowed everything down in America. So um, I kind of still focus on school, but slowly I'm starting to like every summer come back to Georgia and just really like, I don't want to lose that music touch because for the future, obviously I have like big plans for music, but um, yeah, I'm definitely like keep working on, like working on my voice now that it's changed, but yeah, I definitely want to come back in Georgia like every summer and just keep working at it slowly. Big thank you to Miriam. Maybe we will see her perform on the main Eurovision Song Contest stage one day. And we're going to look at this in more depth in a future episode. But it is amazing how well Georgia do at junior compared to their performances at senior Eurovision. Now, the next winner has a brilliant story because at the age of 14, Ralph Mackenbach won for the Netherlands with the stupidly catchy click clack. You hear it once and it never leaves your head. There was break dancing, tap dancing, there was flipping. And back in 2009, he won in that period when the Netherlands were hardly getting past the semi-final stage at the Eurovision Song Contest. He did so well, he became a household name back in the Netherlands, 
But afterwards, he made a huge change to his life, which we're now going to discuss. So a big hello to Ralph, who's currently in Yerevan. Uh, how's it going? It's going very well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, 2009, you won the contest, the junior contest for the Netherlands with Click Clack. My first question is, can you still break dance on your back like you did in your performance back then? <laughs> Oh, great question. Um, I don't know. Uh, I haven't I haven't done a backspin, as is the uh, technical term. Yes, in, of uh, course. In quite some time. We, we should add that in your performance in 2009, you also did a front flip as well. Can you still do that? Yeah, I think so. It's a lack of having uh, done it uh, in quite some time, which is scaring me a little now, but... We'll, we'll see. Otherwise, it's going to be an interesting performance seeing somebody get herniated live. That's also uh, <laughs> that's also cool. Herniated. What a word. Let's get down to business. You're in Yerevan because you are a previous winner and you are back along with lots of other winners to take part in this year's Junior Eurovision Song Contest Interval Act. First of all, how are you feeling about, about being back and being back in the Eurovision bubble? Lots of my um, um, uh, colleagues, well, the same... Um, uh, People from the Netherlands who went with me in 2009, lots of them are here now again as well. So that's good fun for me. Many familiar faces. So far, it's been very, uh, very good. Does it still remain really fresh in your mind? I mean, it has been 13 years and a lot happens in 13 years. Most notably for me, puberty uh, and all that, which is, of course, <laughs> big in anyone's life. Yeah, of course, I often, uh, still often think about it. It, it has changed my life in many ways. Um, uh, most of them very good. <laughs> Uh, on the other hand, I'm doing so something entirely different nowadays. So it's also a bit, um, what would you call it, dissonant almost uh, to, to be here now, to be thrown back into the, the bubble, as you uh, call it. Can you explain how your life kind of changed quite dramatically, didn't it, from being a child singer and dancer to what you do now? I mean, I've, I've always had a, a deep love for uh, science and physics, uh, more specifically. Um, that's, of course, something you don't really see when I'm singing Click Clack. Um, you'll mostly see my love for tap dancing, which is also there. Um, but the love for physics, you won't, you won't see during that performance. Um, but anyways, uh, right after Eurovision, of course, many years of performing, many uh, different fun opportunities came about in terms of recording albums, that kind of stuff, and performing. I was also very interested in uh, seeing more of this science world. Uh, so uh, what I ended up doing round about when I was 18, I think, is um, I went to the um, Eindhoven University of Technology to study physics. And I ended up liking that so much, I'd say just a tad bit more even than the singing and the dancing, um, that I uh, now do my uh, PhD in physics. So in uh, nuclear fusion, to be uh, precise. Uh, which is, of course, a, a very disjunct world from <laughs> Eurovision. So that's my that's my day to day now. It's uh, laptops, computers and equations. Uh, and I love it. It, mu it must be quite nice to do what you do now and to dip your toe, as they say, into back into the world of entertainment and showbiz by doing something like this for Junior. It's like getting a, a quick sample platter and I, uh, I can quickly just uh, see, oh yeah, that's, that's how it was. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's good fun. And of course, also, it's very nice that everything is super well arranged by, um, by the folks here in Armenia. So, um, so far, it's been a smooth sailing. Can you still tap dance as well? Also, haven't tried that in, I'd say, let's say, five years at least. Um, I think it's been longer still since I actually had tap dancing shoes on. Like, it's got to be at least eight years or something. That being said, I sh 
I will tap dance. I know the choreography, it's been pretty much just chiseled into my brain at this point. So uh, it, I'll, I'll go off of muscle memory. We'll, uh, we'll make it work. I was, I was going to say the exact same thing. It's like we can't see you perform for your little part on Sunday without seeing a bit of that choreography, which must be implanted in your brain and obviously oh, yeah. it is you know so you were 14 at the time you're taking part in junior you're feeling like a superstar because you watch the performance back you've got everyone cheering for you those three minutes on stage when you were 14 um were you nervous before you performed because you don't look it well just before performing of course uh extremely nervous um it's the it's the big moment of course so but during not so much uh, the dancers uh, who were um, um, my background dancers uh, at the time, I was, well, really good friends with. So it felt more like me and the gang on the stage and having a good time than anything else. So the moment the music came on, um, yeah, it, um, it all went quite naturally. I think what also may have helped is I never really expected anything beyond, okay, it's a performance and that's probably the end of it. For me, it was more like, okay, let's just do this thing. Uh, uh, give it our best shot and we'll we'll just we'll just see from there um and then of course the uh, unexpected moment be, uh, came uh, came by that we won which i i didn't realize by the way until like the last points came in that we even had a chance uh, and like one of the dancers like give me gave me a little tap like i think we're on top like what the hell what's going on what was the reaction back in the netherlands after you'd won what was it like when you went back home oh it was um uh, very hectic and very fun. So when we just arrived at a Schiphol airport, so that's the airport in Amsterdam, um, we had been informed that some folks uh, may be there uh, to uh, give us a warm welcome back to the Netherlands. Um, so I was expecting like, okay, probably a couple dozen standing there. Um, and then the gates opened. It was almost, I think, it was roughly 1,000 or 2,000 people in the uh entrance lobby which was of course uh, quite overwhelming and uh, uh, also great um, it feels very um, humbling almost to, uh, to be created by that you you were living the pop star life you know it's it's like you know thousands of cheering fans when you pivoted and when you switched to go to physics and you went to university in Eindhoven when you started did people know who you were or did you keep it on the down low because you were well known, you know, people in the Netherlands knew who you were. So how did you play that? Generally, if people recognize me, of course, I'm not, I'm not going to say, no, it's not me. <laughs> that, that, that's yeah. Um, but uh, I wouldn't really talk too much about it unless prompted to, or if it came up in a conversation naturally, it's also a weird, it's also a weird opener to start with, you know, like, Hey, uh, I'm Ralph one Eurovision. You might know me. It's just it's a bit of a social faux pas, I think as well. Yeah, uh, I, I don't I don't think it's like a, um, what would you call it, a forbidden topic or anything. It's just, uh, it, it's always hard to find a nice segue into that. Um, uh, but yeah, I think many folks did, did know with who I uh, was studying, but not all of them. And that's also fine. <laughs> At that point in 2009, Netherlands in the main Eurovision weren't doing very well. They went through a real spell of, of a decade where they weren't qualifying from the semi-finals. It wasn't until 2015 and a nuke broke the broke the curse, so to speak. But in junior, you you'd won. You won in this this peak of when they weren't doing very well in the in the adult Eurovision. So that must have been a real boost to you and also to the country. 
Yeah, I think it it did make the impact larger than if we were in a period where, let's say, things were um, going super easy in normal Eurovision as well. Uh, I think probably the contrast between uh, not doing so well in the normal Eurovision and then winning junior must have um, made it more a more compelling story as well for, let's say, media. So that, that must have added a bit to the um, spectacle, I think. So yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, finally, let's just talk about your outfit in 2009. It was a uh, a very bold blue and white striped jacket. You had a, a, a pink tie that was bigger than you. You had kind of gold Nike tap shoes and you had a lot of hair. It was a look, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a look, yeah. I, I'm completely with you on that one. <laughs> Do you still have it? Does your mum still have it somewhere? Oh yeah, um, it's it's all still uh, it's all still in store. Um, most of the stuff doesn't fit anymore, as you may su- suspect. Uh, the hair, um, as you can see, has decreased significantly in length. Is there going to be a nod to that look in the interval performance on Sunday? Oh, you might see some uh, some blue and white. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. Ralph, winner of the 2009 Junior Eurovision Song Contest, uh, back in Kiev. You're back for the Interval Act in Yerevan. Thank you so much for chatting to us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for, uh, for the opportunity and uh, have fun with the rest of the Junior Eurovision. From junior winner to nuclear scientist, this is what we love about Eurovision. Uh, the Junior Eurovision Song Contest takes place on Sunday. We all know about Conchita's amazing win in 2014. And before that, in 2007, Verka became a Eurovision icon. I mean, you can't mention Verka's name without singing that, uh, even if you do it as badly as I do. I know, sorry. Uh, But before both of those singers made their mark, there was another group of drag queens who took to the Eurovision stage because in 2002, Sestrea became the first drag queen group to sing at the contest. There were three of them, Miss Malena, Emperatrice and Daphne, and they represented Slovenia. They wore sparkling red flight attendant dresses and came 13th, but they caused an absolute sensation when they were there. And I'm so pleased that Miss Malena, known to most of his friends simply as Tomash, decided to tell me all about his historic Eurovision appearance. Can you remember the moment that you decided to go for Eurovision? Was it something you'd always wanted to do? I had that spooky ooky uh, dream and uh, imagination that one day I will stand on that bling bling uh, stage and all my friends in school I was like I don't know from eight on you know years they were like oh my god Tomas has his own crazy uh, minutes and uh, when we uh, uh, won uh, the national selection the EMA it's called EMA all my friends all my colleagues from the school they started to text me and call me like what the heck how did you (laughs) see that in 20 years in advance it's a pity, you know, that um, only Slovenian people can truly understand and feel the meaning of the song, Only Love, Samolju Bezen. Our language, you know, we have a, a special form for male and for female. So if a male is singing, uh, it, uh, it's a different uh, uh, form uh, as for women. But this song is uh, without uh, a sex, you know, without male, female. It's f- like for everyone. 
it's, it's not, it doesn't tell he or she. It's for everyone. So uh, we did it. We apply. Uh, we were um, accepted. And that was also a special moment because it's not so easy. Years back, you know, that was 2002 mm -hmm. when Eurovision and EMA itself in Slovenia was the, the biggest event ever. All the top stars applied because uh, they had the chance to go and represent Slovenia. And also if they didn't win, uh, they could um, uh, do a good publicity for their song or, you know, for the whole uh, whole year. Mm. And we were there, three drag queens. We were dressed in those uh, fly attendant costumes. It was really super stylish. They were. They were great. And everyone was like, oh, cute. They are so cute. All our, let's say, competition. They were like, oh, yeah. Oh, they are so fun. They are so cute. Until we got the first 12 points from the jury. Then all that fun suddenly stopped. All these stars and musicians that gave us so much credits were, were like bitchy and they want to take uh, us the, the publicity, our time, you know? They just came here on the scene and then they, they get all this attention. The attitude changed. Ooh, immediately after the yeah. first 12 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then some fights, some fists, they were low. Wow, it was crazy time and also the after our victory you know we were like we were in shock i mean we came there to have fun the history was made uh, we were like breaking news on cnn bbc everyone was reported about us especially in slovenia because the conservative uh, right wing was very vocal and very vulgar and very um, aggressive and homophobic i'm assuming of as course. well of course i mean yeah. of course and we were also a good topic for our advocates, for our activists uh, in Slovenia. You know, we were a good material so they could work with. When we performed, and we performed a lot all around Slovenia, in every village and every discotheque, there we were. And not e we didn't have not even single incident. Everyone was crazy about us. They felt like, wow, the circus came in town, you know, in the village. Woo, let's go, let's have fun. <laughs> even guys... Like straight guys, uh, like those, you know, um, from the countryside, they got dressed up as uh, <laughs> women and went there and having fun. And we got a lot of uh, fan posts. Kids, children, they had Sestre show in kindergarten, in school, on, uh, on their vacations uh, and, or for marriages or for birthdays or for some anniversaries. Samoyu Bezen was uh, was the song, so that was that is something that we now can look back and we can see that we did a big move, you know. Yeah, you felt a lot of love from your country going. Yes, to yes, yes. We also performed a lot uh, uh, around Europe, and uh, our song Samoyu Bezen became the most uh, listened song uh, on the radio in the history of Slovenian music. Amazing. That's so and good. And now it's fun because all my colleagues, all my friends from the from the music scene here, they're playing it on their concert and it's the highlight of their concert. <laughs> our song. <laughs> well, you made, you made your mark. When you went to Tallinn in Estonia, yes. which is where the contest was in 2002, how did people receive you there? How did your fellow competitors see you? And how was the general vibe towards three drag queens at Eurovision? One word, amazing. We had so much fun. I mean, fans were just incredible. 
we never felt international um, fandom before. Wow, it was amazing. Really, it's very hard to find the, the right uh, expression to express what we felt because you have to understand that we were 22, me and Emperatrice. Daphne is a bit older, but still, we were young. We didn't know many things about life. I mean, we knew because we experience uh, personal uh, uh, personal issues uh, and growth, but uh, in a uh, public eye and to be exposed as much as we were because there was time we didn't go out dressed as, you know, in our personal clothes, you know. We were in drag all the time. It was All the time, all the time. Our national television had to react through the government into international law of something, blah, 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 that we could travel in drag. No way. So you yes. had to get on the, you had to get on the plane in drag we and had you had to get, to get permission. And we flew from Ljubljana to Vienna. So we had to cross the border and we could do that in drag. And then from Vienna to Tallinn, Estonia. And we were so into that that we forgot to take even one piece of male wardrobe with us. Even trainers or something cozy. So we were all the time in this drag. You know, we woke up six, seven hours before everyone else because we had to get ready. We were not so skilled, me and Daphne. Imperatriz is a professional makeup artist, so he took all the work and hair. And I, me and Emperor, we didn't wear wigs, so we... Uh, we had to style our hair and we did it decent you know we didn't want to do a caricature mm. we were stylish we had everyday different costume we stayed in the kind of a major hotel of that season because the mm. Euro club was uh, in, a, uh, in a club down uh, of that hotel and there were also Danish delegation some of them Every day we came down from the, uh, with uh, by elevator and the door opened and there were this. So we really felt accepted. The Slovenian audience, we have to understand uh, the context. We are an ex-communist country, you know. It uh, was not always so uh, uh, free to express yourself. But Slovenia was always very progressive in cultural uh, segments. We became from uh, from underground gay scene. We became mainstream through the night, through the night. That's something that never happened in Slovenian history of of uh, not only music but in general of uh, of art. Um, in in the years since, how often do you now perform the three of you together yeah. as Sestra? We performed for two and a half years constantly like and touring around their europe and balkan you have to know balkan that was that was something like what's this aliens attacked us you know and we got a, uh, we got awarded in serbia for the most uh, uh, how do you say for the most listened group that's yeah i don't know how to is, is the right? yeah yeah the most you're the most listened to group of that yeah, year whatever group, yeah yeah uh from slovenia and uh, we appear in many tv shows back then it was very intense and that's why we said oh girls and guys we need we need to uh, take a break so we did that break 
a long, long, long break. And since then, we perform for special occasions. What do you ever think to yourselves? Look what we did. We look uh, who got fatter, who got more wrinkles. <laughs> oh my God, you are losing your hair. Oh, you have gray hair. Uh, it's this <laughs> typical, you know, uh, uh, friendship, uh, sister brotherhood uh, topics. You know? I mean, yeah, but uh, it's it's nice to know. You're, it's nice to know that you're all still close. You know, you're oh, yeah, still. We are very you're, close, you're... One change happened in between. We had a mini tour. Uh, but Daphne were not uh, in the mood anymore. So we got a new member, uh, Micha. So he jumped in and became a new uh, member of Sestria. And for him was that also an amazing experience. You know, he was a fan as a child. And after he was a member. So he grew up knowing what Sestria did. Okay, but that was also the time when we had to put our costumes back on and some of them uh, didn't fit for some of them. It leads me on to my, my, my final question. And I ask this a lot on the podcast, but where is the outfit from 2002? Is it in your house right now? Do you still have it? Uh, we sold it on an auction uh, for charity, for good cause. We sold uh, all three of uh, our costumes. We, get, uh, we collect a lot of money a lot of money that we put in uh, for people, uh, for uh, families in need. Yeah. And we even bought one pair of shoes with our money, like for them. And then the, the companies that bought this uh, different pieces, uh, we even got one skirt and one blazer back. So we have one whole outfit. Amazing. Uh, Somewhere safe, because Somewhere this is safe. everything Swarovski, you know, we were all in Swarovski. Wow. And that was the time where, you know, a lot of technical faults happened. Uh, I know we we didn't have luck with uh, with technical uh, technicality uh, for our performances. But, you know, we forgot about those things. We took only the best thing, and that was the fandom. Uh, amazing people. I, and me being such a big fan and experiencing now the Eurovision from a different angle, different point of view as a journalist, to be in the press center, to mm. to appear all this uh, uh, gathering and having fun. And I'm the, the same fan like my fans, our fans were to us. I'm the same, like, ah, oh, Mahmoud, Mahmoud, one photo, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm like this. And I get everything always, always. That's the best thing. And I'm looking forward to this year... Uh, for Liverpool. For Liverpool. I know, I know, indeed. Uh, Tomas, thank you so much for talking to us. 20 thank years you, since thank you performed. You. What a moment. And, you know, maybe you'll get back into those dresses in another 20 years and make oh, a I'll, reappearance. I, hope I, will do, uh, I, will, I will do my best. Brilliant. Thank you to all the fans of Eurovision, not only uh, of Sestina, but uh, of Eurovision. Enjoy and made the... the Eurovision uh, fever of 2023 begin. Thank you to Tomasz, uh, who was speaking to me from Slovenia. Now, he's kept his hand in with Eurovision. He's covered the event as a journalist, but also acted as a mentor for the Slovenian acts. 
He told me that we should be really excited about what Slovenia is going to do next year. And I asked him who might be representing them, but uh, he was keeping very tight-lipped. But yes, what a tease. Now, before we go, last week we started our new feature, Eurovision on the spot. Manzem Love was the first person to do it. But this week, it's time to get a bit of adrenaline going. Name. Sanit. Country you competed for. San Marino. Year. 2011, standby. 2020, freaky, but it was cancelled. And 2021, Adrenalina. Favourite lyric from one of your songs? Uh, Adrenalina, we are fire and gasoline. We are like fire and gasoline. This part. Who is your Eurovision hero? Oh my God, so many. But uh, Lorraine, amazing on stage and she sings absolutely oh, fantastic. I and mean, she's a beautiful person. What is your earliest Eurovision memory? 2011, my first experience. I didn't know about Eurovision. I didn't know about the show. So this was my, wow, my first, first, first adventure. What's the thing you most remember about being on stage at Eurovision? Uh, you know, to be with Florida, to enjoy the show with uh, this amazing artist that then become a friend. So that one was a very, very beautiful moment. Who was the first winner of the Eurovision Song Contest you met? Conchita, and it was, uh, yeah, in Rotterdam, actually. And it was like a dream because I really love her. I love the song, I love the performance. So, yeah, and I met her many, many times after. So but she was my first winner. What is the best thing about being in the Eurovision community? It's a dream. It's a very, it's like a family. It's beautiful. They are very uh, loyal people and very faithful and very enthusiastic. So it's beautiful. Big thanks to Sunit, to Tomash from Sestrea, to our previous junior winners, Ralph and Miriam, and to David and Anna from this year's Junior Eurovision. Do enjoy the show if you're watching, and we will see you in 2023. If you want the latest episode of the Eurovision Song Contest podcast as soon as it drops, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.